I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com. We are at High Point Solutions Stadium, otherwise known as Rutgers Stadium, where Washington has defeated Rutgers 30-14 to in front of a crowd of 46,093. That is probably tickets sold. I don't think the crowd was that big. Mild temperatures, 66 degrees at kickoff. Started to actually get a little chilly towards the end of the game. And, uh, you know, it was an okay atmosphere here for those who weren't here. But uh, kind of, I thought it was kind of a flat performance. Um, I didn't see a lot of emotion down on the field. I didn't see a lot of excitement. This was seemed to me more like a business trip. I don't know how you perceived it up in the press box. Well, I think business trip is what they would like to have seen. But, they, you know, you have to – when you're on the road, Kim, you've got to create your own energy and create your own enthusiasm. I mean, Rutgers got off to a great start offensively. They got some first downs. They got some momentum. Washington was a little on their heels. But obviously, when Washington got the ball to start the game and it was three and out, that really gave Rutgers some momentum early. And obviously, they tried to capitalize that. You look at the time of possession, Rutgers had over 38 minutes with the ball. So not only did Washington have to do a lot with very limited time on the clock, but they also did it with a lot of new players, a lot of first-timers. Chris Peterson said maybe some guys were just kind of feeling the heat a little bit because there were so many guys where this was the biggest stage for them ever. So, you know, there's a lot that went into this game, but ultimately the feeling that you get after the game talking to the players and coaches, they're very pleased with the win. But they know they've got a ton to work on, and it's and it was pretty obvious. Well, when you talk to Chris Peterson after the game, it seemed like the tone or the theme of him post game was, um, you know, we tried to play a lot of guys. We got over the first game jitters. There was a lot of guys in who've never seen the field, and now they know that they can do it. You know, the techniques that they've been teaching have been working, but they played a lot of guys today, Chris. We didn't, we didn't get a participation chart, but it would be interesting to see. They played a lot of guys. So there's no, no, no participation chart. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's not the full book, I don't think. But anyways, um, yeah, so there is. We'll take a look and see what the numbers are, but there's no doubt. I mean, when you Ryan Bowman played a ton, for instance. Jared Pulu played a ton. Um, especially the only guys that I saw the entire first half defensively that they didn't substitute in were Byron Murphy and Jordan Miller. So those were they they kept the cornerbacks, but everyone else was was substituted pretty liberally. And then on the offensive side, they stuck with the offensive line from one to five the entire first half and and stuck with that. But then obviously there was a lot of substituting around those guys too, and it was hard for them to get a rhythm. And I don't think it was necessarily because they were subbing a lot of guys. It's just they didn't have a lot of success. And so give credit to Rutgers. They made it tough for them. They got some three and outs. And then they sustained some drives that really allowed them to burn some clock in that first half. Guys who played for the first time in their Husky career, Elijah Molden. Uh, I think he was. I don't think he played corner, but he was definitely on a kickoff team. Uh, Brandon McKinney, uh, Kentrell Love. Uh, Savin Ahmed, Isaiah Gilchrist, Keith Taylor, Justice Warren, Camilo Eifler, Race Porter, and Levi Onwuzrike, all seeing the field for the first time today. Yeah, a lot of ton of defensive guys, ton of defensive guys. And unfortunately, Keith Taylor was in a perfect position to make that play. And I couldn't tell if he tripped up on his own feet or tripped up on the receiver's feet. But then right when he was going to go make a play, he fell down, and then they were able to score. So really unfortunate break, but you know a guy like Keith Taylor is going to really rebound well off that, and that's going to be something that he's going to really learn from, and that's what Peterson said. There's a ton of guys out here that probably made some assignment errors, made some, some issues. You know, Miles Bryant, you know, they, he has the coverage on that first touchdown to Janarian Grant. It's just a step slow, step behind him, and they score. 
But then Miles Bryant, the rest of the game, was an absolute demon. Had a monster game, so he really stepped up. But Byron Murphy, I mean, to me, Byron Murphy is the easy MVP of this game. When you talk about, uh, you know, uh, Miles Bryant, uh, Miles Bryant was second on the team in tackles tonight. He had seven tackles, and of course, you know, you get back to Byron Murphy, who not only had the two interceptions, but uh, he also had two fumble, uh, two punt touchdown. How do what do you call that? He's punt. the gunner. He's the gunner. He downed the ball. He downed the ball uh, at the one. Yep. And uh, well, one one at the one, one at the two. But yes, basically at their goal line. He didn't look like a freshman out there today. No, he looked polished, and those two picks um, looked really good. Miles Bryant should have almost had a pick. Um, Greg Gaines had one basically right thrown at him, but I think it caught him off guard because it was thrown right at him. Um, so they, they had some mistakes that they could have capitalized on very easily. There's no doubt to me Kyle Bolin is so much of a better quarterback, not just for the system they're running now under Jerry Kill at Rutgers, but just so, so much better of a quarterback in general than Chris Laviano, the guy last year. Um, better running back for sure, the, the Miami transfer, grad transfer in. He was a load. Chris Peterson talked about how good he was and how the, he, he wasn't happy with with initial impressions on the tackling of a guy like Edwards. So, again, the feeling was they were very happy with the win, but they have a lot of work to do. The thing that uh, I think that may be a little bit underestimated is I think they really missed Azeem Victor. Not only just um, his physicality, but his vocal leadership out there. Even though Ben Burnkirvin was the leading tackler at 11, when he was making tackles, he was going backwards. Um, guys were pushing him back. He wasn't, you know, Azeem, if you're going to hit Azeem, you're stopping. When you're hitting Ben Burkirvan, you're probably pushing ahead for another yard or two. And I think they really missed, you know, his uh, leadership out on the field, his vocal leadership, his toughness, his attitude, and that physicality. And I think that was really missing on the defense tonight. Well, with, with Ben Burkirvan, they feel really good and they trust him knowing that he's going to be able to fit runs and be in the right place at the right time. But you're right, when it, when it comes to the point of attack, can he hold up like an Azeem Victor? And the answer is no. I mean, there, but not, not very many in this country actually can. That's why Azeem Victor is a preseason All-American. So I don't think you're going to see the problem that they had tonight, Friday night, here at Rutgers that they're going to have with Montana. Obviously, it's a totally different team, totally different FCS versus FBS, but... At the same time, when you ha- when you can bring in a preseason All American in the middle of your defense, that's going to make your defense so much better right off the top. Yeah, and on, then I thought that um, you know there was some interesting schemes back there where they were putting some uh, you know JoJo McIntosh uh, and uh, Taylor Rapp would go out and cover the wide receivers, and I saw Jordan Miller dropping back and even playing that deep safety at times. Well, they they were clearly running a ton of nickel. Uh, Miles Bryant was playing a lot of nickel. Taylor Rapp was playing a lot of nickel. And then later in the game, I think you were seeing some when the when the game was not so much out of hand, but when the game was pretty much decided at that point. You know, you're talking five six minutes left in the game. They were rolling in a ton of guys. I don't remember if Elijah Molden played a cornerback. I know obviously Keith Taylor did. I don't know if any of those other younger DBs played much at all. But I will say again. It's like a constant theme. It's a, it's, a, it's a broken record. A lot of guys got reps, but that's how they're going to get better, Kim. That's the only way these guys get better is if they play. I know you say you weren't surprised, but you can say that till the cows come home. I'm not buying it. I'm still surprised that Ryan Bowman played as much as he did. He played a ton tonight. Well, I, I make the mistake sometimes of taking Chris Peterson as word. And when Chris Peterson says Ryan Bowman is the second Reb, or the second guy behind Benny Potoai, tonight was proof. He played a ton. And they obviously played him like they expect to use him a lot this season. Yeah, they did. A lot. So I, you, you may be shocked. I think you need to get over the shock because 
the proof's in the pudding. Chris he, Peterson well, he said he was going to play a lot of guys, and he played a lot of guys. But he had his team Victor on the depth chart as a starting linebacker tonight, too. There's no doubt. No, but, I mean, <laughs> so. we, asked, we asked him about about you know who I assume Justice Warren was the second guy off the bench. He goes, no, that's Ryan Bowman. And he was absolutely right. We talked about it on Wednesday when we were in Seattle. He said Ryan Bowman was going to play. you got to take him at his word when it's something like Now, again, I asked him about K.J. Carter-Samuels being the holder. He said, no, there's a different guy. So, again, take him at his word. And he was right. It was Race Porter. Yeah, and um, Ryan Bowman, by the way, for those who don't know him, Shane Bowman is a junior, and that's his older brother. Uh, Shane uh, Ryan is nowhere near as big. Shane's still probably 255, and they played a lot together, too. Yeah, yeah. Not next to each other, but they played in the same four a so, lot. Yeah, Ryan's not. Ryan's a walk-on, though. Yeah. I mean, his parents are having to pay for his schooling. Yeah. Well, and again, with Miles Bryant getting a scholarship, if you see a if you see a guy like Ryan Bowman playing this much right now, if he plays an entire season's worth, you've got to believe that he's in line to get a scholarship for next year. Well, he, you know, we'll have to ask Chris Peterson that with uh, David Ajamu out for the year. You know, they can medical redshirt him and add Ryan Bowman. So we'll have to, you know, ask and, Coach Pete if that's what happened. And John Turner too. Yeah. So they may he may be on scholarship. We'll have to ask. Yeah, that that's certainly possible right now, given. They lose two guys like that. There's a very good possibility if he plays again as much as he played Friday night, he's got a very good chance of earning a scholarship right off the bat because he probably got, I would say, a minimum of probably 30 to 40 turns, I would think. Half the half the game. Yeah. I'd say half half the game. Um, you know, I'm down on the field, so sometimes it's difficult for me to see things uh, the way that you can see them. What did you see from the defensive line, specifically, you know, Levi Onwuzrike? Well, I think Levi, Levi actually started out very strong, and then he got a little banged up. And I don't know if he was quite the same since. He still went in the game. He still he got checked out a little bit, in the I think, in the second quarter. But he made a couple good plays when he first came in. Again, like I said, he, had to, he kind of took a knee, and kind of they had to come out and take a look at him. Went back. They, the trainers looked at him on the sideline, came back in the, in the huddle, and did some, did some good stuff there. But I think... When you look at Vita Vea, you look at Greg Gaines, Jalen Johnson, and Levi Anzarike, I think those are clearly the four guys you've, you've got to count on. But, again, you talk about Ryan Bowman getting a lot of reps, Kim. Jared Pulu got a ton of reps as well. So they're, they're going to rotate a another, ton of those guys another in. Another walk-on. Yeah. Yeah, um, also, uh, it looked to me on a couple of the series, it looked like the um, offensive line from Rutgers was doing a real good job of double-teaming either Greg Gaines or Vita Vea, and it looked like at times they didn't know where that double team was going to come from. Well, right, and again, I think it does make a difference when you've got Vita Vea at 340 and Greg Gaines at 320, and then all of a sudden you've got Shane Bowman in there at maybe 310, but then you've got Jared Pulu also inside. Jared's probably 280. That I mean, there is a difference there. And I think, again, Chris Peterson, his observation was 13 Edwards was a, was a, was a, was a load. And they knew that coming in. They watched some film of him at Miami. They knew he was going to be a tough customer. And so I think maybe they took advantage a little bit of, of the, 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 the size inside. And then, But even when, even when Greg Gaines and Vita Vea were in there, it wasn't a slam dunk that those guys were going to stop guys up front. If you noticed, they stunted Keyshawn Bieria a lot in that second half to really kind of gum up things when they maybe they could anticipate when the running downs were going to come. But I think that really helped uh, kind of stem the tide a little bit in the running game. But there's no doubt, Rutgers early on kind of 
was able to get some things going in the run game, that really helped them eat some clock. On the offensive side of the ball, um, and just real quick, let me just run down some of the guys that were down on the sidelines today. Sidney Jones was there, Elijah Qualls, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Cody Pickett, John Anderson, uh, Nick Oshevsky, were, uh, Donald Jones were some of the guys that I saw down on the sidelines. But in the first quarter, uh, Elijah Qualls was getting a little bit of frust- a little bit frustrated with the offensive line. He said, Kim, they're holding their blocks, but they're not driving. They're not driving guys. They're just holding their blocks. He goes, I don't know what that's all about. Did, what did you see? Well, I think there's no doubt. I mean, anybody that was watching the game from a Washington point of view, Rutgers was way more physical on the lines, both offensive line and defensive line, starting the game. They wanted it more. You know, again, we talked about the hashtag, the war before the shore. Still don't know what it means. I have no but idea. They, but, and they also have this hashtag called the hunt. And, and they came out, and they were, I think they were a little geeked up by their, their fans. And they, you know, this was their home opener. And apparently they hadn't had a, a team like Washington, like a top 10 team, come in for a non conference game in this type of an environment in a long time. So the whole, the, 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 I think the atmosphere in general was pretty darn good. But then it was really weird. In the second half, it almost felt like half the, half the entire attendance just kind of disappeared. A lot of Washington fans obviously stayed on to watch, but where did the where, where did the Rutgers fans go? You had the unfortunate uh, experience of being inside a glass press box. There was no atmosphere. I mean, there was not. I mean, it was, it, it might as well have been like Stanford. It just seemed like people were in the stands, but you didn't notice the crowd, not at all. Yeah, no, we were definitely kind of hermetically sealed in there, for sure. And I'd, yeah. I'd rather have it open. I'd rather kind of get a feel for how things are going. But again, it kind of, I was like, all of a sudden kind of looked up, and everyone was gone. I was thinking, wait a second, this is like a, a you know, 14-point game or a, you know, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was completely blown out. Again, I think maybe 27-7 is when a lot of the guys started leaving. But again, I was kind of shocked. Everyone just all of a sudden decided to up and leave. Yeah, unsung hero of the game. I know that uh, Byron Murphy had a hell of a game, but I think the guy who really stepped up and you know, was a difference maker tonight was Drew Sample. Uh, Drew, let me grab the stats here real quick. Uh, Drew had three catches and for 63 yards with a long of 31. But the catches he made were key and critical in great situations, and I thought Drew Sample had a great game. Yeah, and obviously Miles Gaskin's not going to be an unsung hero. He's very much a a big time player for them and I think they exploited some things in the past game for the running backs between him and Coleman they did a really really nice job but again those were tough catches that Miles Gaskin made I mean they were really tough catches but I will say I think the unsung hero honestly Byron Murphy's going to get the load of credit with the two picks and the way he uh, was the gunner on special teams really pinning Rutgers deep and he should I mean he was easily the MVP of the game in my opinion but I think Chris Peterson pointed it out rightly I think that other cornerback Jordan Miller shut down the other side and really I think allowed Byron Murphy to kind of roam and kind of do his thing because they weren't throwing at Jordan Miller I don't know how many guys got targeted to Jordan Miller but it didn't feel like it was at all like anybody no and you know I think tell me if you agree with this or not but I think you know when you're taking a look at the stat sheet the thing that jumps out at me is just kind of Miles Gaskin only got seven carries tonight Chris no I know and and I think LeVon Coleman got what, 13 14, something yeah. like that? Yeah, 14. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, I mean, bottom line is when you can't start generating a pass, a, a run game off the bat and kind of establish it, that's part of the problem. And when Rutgers was dominant on both lines of scrimmage, that really set the tone again. And I think that allowed Rutgers to run the ball, eat some time, use some play action, do some things to keep Washington kind of off balance. And that was a big part of the, the kind of the, the theme of the first half. And again, you know, I, I just was sitting here because Jonathan Smith started out with three passes in the second half, and, it, and they were pinned. And it was like third and whatever. It was like third and eight, third and whatever. And I was thinking, 
oh my god, if Jonathan, if they have to, you know, if they don't get a first down here, I can just hear the cat calls on the message boards. Everyone's just going to go ballistic. Oh, he didn't set the tempo. They didn't run the ball. Blah blah blah. Fortunately, they were able to get it to Miles Gaskin or somebody for a first down, and then they were able to get the ball down the field and kind of generate some momentum through tempo. We haven't really talked about tempo being a big part of it, but I thought running tempo in the second half really wore down Rutgers, and I thought it was a big, big key to Washington scoring some points in the second half. One more unsung hero, the Aussie, Joe Whitford. He's a beast tonight. Yeah, and I don't again I don't consider him an unsung hero because he's the one that's gotta put that that ball in there. But to be honest with you, I thought in general the the plate the the punters and the place kickers in term not place kickers but the kickoff guys like Vizcaino, I thought they did a fantastic job of really neutralizing Janarian Grant. I mean he is by far their biggest weapon. And I know it looked weird probably early on, the popover kicks, and they were kinda of, why is they kicking so short and what have you? I don't think they really got it on on key the first half. But again, I think the second half they got the popover kicks really tech the technique and the timing and everything, I think they did a really, really good job of pinning Rutgers in a couple different times around the 20 to 25-yard line. And I thought that really helped stymie some of the, some of the momentum that Rutgers had gotten and allowed Washington to kind of get back into the, the, into the game defensively. Oh, I think the, the, both Vizcaino and Joel Whitford, I think the word that came, came to my mind, they made those people feel uncomfortable back there. They didn't know what to expect. Well, again, if people saw it on TV, the kind of kick that, that Whitford does is this really kind of knuckly, kind of end-over-end end type kick. And it, it's one of those where it's like you can almost back it up sometimes. If you hit it in the five-yard line, it could it could very easily jump into the end zone, but it could ver- just as easily go backwards or just hit and stick. And that's what it did, and that allowed Byron Murphy, who was just racing down there. I don't even know if he got touched as the gunner. It almost looked like he had a free run both of those times where he was able to pin him deep. But again, I think those special teams plays are so unsung in terms of switching momentum and making it very, very difficult for Rutgers to get out of their own end zone. Joel Kick, uh, Joel Whitford uh, with five punts today. Uh, two of them down inside inside the one, practically. But uh, am I wrong? He only did the rugby style once? Yeah, I don't... I, in fact, yeah, it was almost kind of a pseudo. Like, maybe he was kind of faking it out. Yeah. Like, one or two other times, it was almost like just a straight kick. And the other times, he may have taken, like, a, a slide to the right. Like, it was like, maybe I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of went forward and kicked it. So, yeah, we really haven't seen the true rugby style yet. At least the way you would think of it as a rugby style. Yeah, I thought on the one, on the first one, I thought they might be faking it because they had three big guys back in protection. So I thought, hey, he may run it, but uh, they didn't. And I'll tell you what. And Joel also, Whitford's a big dude. I'll tell way. you what as well. I think one of the one of the keys is that Chris Ash, he paid Washington a ton of respect in this game. There were a couple different times, especially, like, I don't know if there was one in the first half, one in the second half, but there were opportunities just on basically either side of the 50 where there was fourth and very short, and he kicked it both times. And you could tell the first time the Boo Birds came out. The second time, I think they really came out. And that allowed Washington to kind of hold Rutgers at bay a little bit and allow them to kind of settle in and kind of kind of get the, their energy and their momentum on their side and then kind of do what they wanted to do. So I thought it was interesting. I thought Chris Ash was really conservative in his field position and game management in that sense. And then I also I asked Chris Peterson about it and kind of got a really funny look. But that 
I don't understand the Glock management at the end of the first half for Rutgers. They had a down, they had a timeout that they could have used to maybe throw something into the end zone, and they didn't. And then they missed the field goal. Yeah, just uh, running down the stat sheets real quick, just uh, some things that really jump out. Uh, Washington, only 84 net yards rushing. That's I think that's a big, big surprise with uh, Rutgers having 131 net yards passing. Washington, 284. Rutgers, 178. Total offensive yards. Washington with 368 and gave up 309 to Rutgers. I didn't think they'd give up that many. Uh, key stat, Washington with two punts uh, downed inside the 20 and Boy, basically inside the one. Time of possession, big advantage for Rutgers with 38.09, Washington with 21.59. And I think one of the most surprising stats, and I don't know if you saw this, only 3 of 11 on third down conversions for Washington. 3 and 11 is not going to get it done. And then on Rutgers' side, 9 of 19 on third down, and that's not real good either. That's kind of a surprise that uh, they gave up that much on third down. Uh, Miles Gaskin, only seven carries for a net 59 yards. That's eight-yard average, but only seven carries for Miles Gaskin. LeVon Coleman, 14 carries for 40 yards, which is just a little bit uh, shy of two, two, uh, three yards a carry. Receiving, Miles Gaskin, leading receiver, five yards, 79. Uh, five receptions for 79 yards. Dante Pettis, three for 64. It's three for 85, and Drew Sample, three big catches for 63 yards. Dante Pettis, the one in the end zone. Boy, that was close. And if it, you know, it looked like it wasn't a catch, uh, wasn't inbounds, but it should have at least been pass interference. Well, there was definitely, and then I, I saw that early on, a lot of people that were watching the TV broadcast thought that there was holding um, by Rutgers and uh, early on. And you know, but to be fair to the referees, to be honest. To the officials, they didn't call it on either side. And that's really all you want. If you're a coach, all you want is consistency on both sides. So if you're not going to call it on one side, don't call it on the other side. Penalties, Washington was 6 for 56 yards and Rutgers uh, 4 for 25. Ten penalties in the game. That's not a lot. Not a lot. And, and to be honest with you, yeah, there, there could have been a couple that were questionable. But, like, for instance, the, the, um, the face mask. I think it was on Jalen Johnson, or I don't remember who it was on. It was on one of the internal guys when Bolin tried to run inside and he kind of clipped him and got his face back. I mean, those are obvious calls. And I think it was good that they didn't have a ton of little ticky-tack type penalties, but there were some that kind of helped stifle their momentum a little bit early on that kind of put them into some third and long situations that they obviously just couldn't get out of. Yeah, the the holding call on Trey Adams on their, uh, in the first quarter, I, okay, I'm, I didn't understand that one. Uh, they missed an obvious face mask on Miles Bryant being tackled by the face mask. But, you know, they did get out of position, and it's like trying to watch, you know, what's going on across the street with traffic going by. They get screened out sometimes. But, uh, you know, the officials, yeah, you can't blame much on that. Washington's got a lot, of, a lot to clean up though but you know overall getting coming in getting it done on the road east coast i think it's a pretty good first game yeah and again i think you know the fans are going to look at this and go well wait a second you know it wasn't 24 nothing like it was in the first quarter last year this is an entirely different Rutgers team as well i think people need to understand that too that being said there is no question washington especially on offense is going to come out with their hair on fire against montana totally different opponent i get that but 
I think this was – I kind of asked Chris Peterson after the game, is this kind of your best-case scenario? You come out with the win, you don't, you know, no one's hurt or anything like that, but you know you've got a ton to work on, and, and they're going to get after it too because the, the players are just as cognizant of it as you guys are. And he said, well, I don't know about best-case scenarios, but they definitely know they have a lot more that they can do, and it's just little detail stuff that they need to focus on. And again, it's a lot of young guys that just hadn't seen the bright lights yet, and that's going to help them a lot going forward. And even though there's a lot of experience, Chris Peterson's playing a lot of guys, and uh, you know, I'd rather they start off like this and then build as they get better, which is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to get better and better and better by the time they hit the Pac-12. Uh, you know, regular season, they'll be ready to go. So, no concerns on my end. Well, I don't know how you can be too concerned after a win, especially knowing that they've got a lot in the tank and they've got they put, they ran a lot of players through the grinder, uh, gave them some good scenarios, some good situations where they were put into some difficulty. They were asked to bounce back a little bit, and I think they did to a, to a certain point. Again, it was twenty seven seven. You know, they gave up a touchdown, a, a big throw, but again, I think that the true freshman Keith Taylor was in a position to make that play. I think. You know, maybe midseason he gets in that situation, he probably makes that play. You're able to rotate that many young guys in in a game. This wasn't mop up time; these guys were playing, and this was you know this was a competitive game. You know, and they're in on you know meaningful playing time. When you're able to play those freshmen and those young guys in playing time like that, that's just putting money in the bank, and they put a lot of money in the bank tonight. You see, you sure hope so. But again, the proof's going to be in the pudding, right? You, you've got to see how they come out against Montana and Fresno State and see how, how, how consistent they can be, how complete they can be. And obviously that's what you want to see. You want to see more guys playing, uh, more execution, more points on the board, limiting points, and all the other things that come with, with putting together a thorough, dominant performance. And obviously the next two weeks we'll really find out the lessons that they learned from, uh, from Friday night. Final thoughts? That's it. I mean, you just have to see how they respond to this going forward. I mean, Chris Peterson said he felt like they responded well on the sidelines after getting a little bit of adversity early in the game. Think of it as an entire season. What kind of adversity did they go through against Rutgers here, and how are they going to apply it going forward against Montana, against Fresno State? How are they going to utilize these lessons? And especially for the younger guys, we talked about Ryan Bowman, we talked about Jared Pulu, we talked about the true freshmen. How are they going to respond to being in the bright lights, the big stage, national TV? How are they going to respond? Are they going to settle down and really get into the details of the game? Or is it is it still going to be another thing where the, the next week is still going to be tough for them? We're obviously going to find out next Saturday. Out of conference road games. Road games are just a blast, you know. Anyways, and when you get a chance to come to New York, and you know, where this is New York. I don't care if we're in New Jersey; it's New York. But uh, you know, it's really something special. You know, when we've gone on road trips in the past, and the Husky fans who made the the road trips really seem to enjoy themselves in Manhattan, and you know, went to going to the Yankees Red Sox games last night. But you know, if you've never been on a road game, you know, get out to a road game. But I think this is a real interesting point too. Is you know, these young guys opening game coming back the East. Coast is putting money in the bank for that opening game next year where they have to travel to Atlanta and open with Auburn, which is going to be a much tougher test than this. So, you know, if, like I said, you know, opening game down in Auburn, going on a road trip, you know, if you get a chance, you know, save and put the money away and get down to Auburn. Uh, 
I'm just I'm glad the football season has finally started. You know, good turnout by the Washington, uh, you know, Road Dogs, and uh, you know, back to it this week with Montana coming up on Saturday, uh, which shouldn't be much of a big deal. So, uh, just happy the season is uh, upon us, and uh, we can get moving on. Uh, we've mentioned this quite a few times out of the message boards and on our Twitter pages. If you're looking to, you know, get the updates every day just in your mailbox, it's just a simple, just send us an email at huskystadium at gmail.com in the subject line. Just put newsletter and we'll put you on our newsletter list and we'll get you that out at least five times a week. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com and you'll get on our newsletter list. And uh, looking forward to Montana and um, I won't be there. So um, my son's getting married. I'll miss the first game in a long, long time. But uh, we've got a lot of work yet to do tonight and during the week. So, hey, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Luke Munger back home. Go dogs.